I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Welcome, everyone, to the Playing Footsie podcast. We're with you this week at the end of this absolutely crazy week for the stock market. It's been truly ridiculous. My portfolio looks like um you ever play that game worms where uh you know you used to like fire at your worms over the thing and every time you made an explosion it just took out a little big big crater in the landscape well, that's what mine looks like this week it just goes oh, crater oh, crater oh, crater because the market has been up and down ridiculously this week so this week i've got steve d and steve w with me as usual uh guys how has your been week? Uh, how's your been week? How's your week been? <laughs> and uh, uh, what's your stock? Yeah, but all the things that this week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, my been week's been pretty good actually. Uh, I've been um, seeing something similar in my portfolio to you, Paul. So uh, it's Thursday this week, and so far I've gone um, downward spike, downward spike, upward spike, upward spike. And on the whole, that means things have mainly tended to move sideways. I'm actually down a fair bit since last Thursday when we recorded because uh, I guess as we'll kind of get to in a little bit after our show, uh, Netflix launched their earnings out and basically ruined everything that was a large part of my portfolio, like Disney and Amazon and all that kind of stuff. So that, that didn't really help things. Um, Netflix wasn't part of my portfolio then, but it took some other things with it, which which really were. Outside, it's been pretty busy, actually, so I've not had much chance to watch all of this kind of madness going on and i think that's probably helpful uh it feels like these are kind of dips and spikes that are sort of reasonably getting predictable now but uh i haven't had much time to really think about doing uh, very much so uh when i have nothing to say on this show for the next um hour or so uh, do bear with me everyone <laughs> i noticed some big uh big youtubers have been selling off as well uh all predicting the crash and trying to time the market i don't like it uh, I I think I I don't think we're quite done yet with this year's correction, but I can't see us going like uh, well. I don't think that we're going to go that far, and you know, quite frankly, I don't care. I'm still putting money in, as I'm sure you guys are as well. No money in mine. I am full, so I'm waiting for <laughs> April till my uh, main portfolio gets any money. Uh, while we're making analogies about what my portfolios look like. Um, Mine looks a bit like Oblivion from uh, from the Alton Towers ride. Basically, <laughs> goes up nice and steady, and then it sort of hangs around at the top for a minute, and then it's look you look down at the crater below before being slowly <laughs> dropped into it. And there's a few little ups and downs before you you start somewhere at the beginning, which kind of feels like that's how my year's been. I think I'm almost all the way back to square one. But um, it's a very interesting time for, for growth stocks. I was just saying to the guys before we came on, still none of the real really big growth stuff the really big stuff you want feels like it's it's there for the taking or it's an absolute buy um but the smaller stuff the mid caps is coming down really really nicely and my small cap pie which i posted for everybody last week is um is looking very exciting to me at the moment it's uh, something i actually want to contribute to so yeah looking good how about you paul Ah, it's interesting you said that, and and I, I agree with the big tech stuff, particularly Apple and Amazon. But Google, Google's sort of sitting at a twenty-five PE at the moment, I think. And uh, well, we're going to talk about Netflix later as well. Uh, Netflix is definitely on the list. Uh, for for me, I have been buying randomly. I bought a bit of AT and T on the on the whole Netflix thing, and I think there's a I think there's some little things um, going on there that the market hasn't quite understood proper properly. And uh, I did buy into the semiconductors a little bit. I've been looking at Broadcom, I've been looking at ASML, and I've been looking at KLA. I've got a bit of cash that I'm ready to put in. I'm just trying to 
figure out what I'm going to do. My plan for this year was not to increase the amount of stocks that I've got in my portfolio. I was trying to reduce the size of everything. And I'm looking at it now and I've gone from sort of 28 to 25. And if I get the stocks that I really want, especially, you know, we've got a correction here and it puts a lot of things on sale and you kind of go, oh, I should have really prepared better for this. I wasn't expecting it. And now I've got a lot of stocks that I'm looking at and I'm going, oh, I really like these guys. And uh, it, but it means I'm probably going to go back up to 30 holdings again. I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing. I don't know what I'd love to hear your uh, thoughts on how many you think you should have in a portfolio or, you know, roughly what's too many. I think you should hold as many stocks as you need to hold. Uh, I think is the general <laughs> general gist of it. Um, mm. I hold uh, anywhere between sort of twenty five and forty at various times. Um, I'm I'm less bothered about how many stocks you hold. I'd be more bothered about your allocations. I think um, that's probably more important to me in terms of portfolio. So I allocate in terms of. Uh, the stuff I have the most conviction into, the stuff I have the least conviction in, and anything around one or one and a half percent is pretty much a gamble. So that's generally how my sort of main portfolio works. Steve, are you any different? Yep. Um, I have about 17 things in my portfolio at the moment, and I have quite a few things that I'm sort of interested in. But the trouble is, for the moment, I can't think of anything I want to reduce my holding in. So the Bristol Myers Squibb has done quite well lately, mm. and... Um, I was chatting to a friend of the show, Boss Hog, in the Discord earlier, who was saying he's taken some of his Bristol Myers Squibb winnings and moved them off into something else. But I, I'm not sure I see anything that I really want to uh, add to at the expense of my um, Squibb stuff. And if I had more money, which I'm actually getting up against the ISA limit for this year, surprisingly to me, um, I would probably think there are things that are kind of attractive that I already own at the moment. I kind of think Disney's quite attractive at these levels, and I... yeah. It would struggle to see past that to adding another position rather than um, just going more into that. Mm. I'm definitely trying to look at the stocks that I've already got first, and Disney came up on that one as well. I think I think I'd like it a little bit lower than it is right now, but yeah, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm with you on it where, where I'm looking at it. But then I'm I'm sort of like that, aren't I? I I'm sort of. I just want things for super cheap, and I, I do that all the time. I do that in life, so I, I'm just a frugal asshole, really, basically. Um, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, sort of. I'm not very good at that though. Oh, take me, take me abroad, and I'm terrible at haggling. I can't, I can't haggle with the lucky, lucky <laughs> men at all. Uh, right, uh, today we've got a lot on the list. We've got uh, Steve D who's got a game. We've got a bit on some earnings, some companies that we've picked out uh, this week that have released their earnings because it's a crazy earning week. And then you guys have got a bit of surprise for me. So we're going to get started with the Steve D game. But first, here's a word from our sponsors. Mm. Our sponsors are getting a genuine impact. Uh, oh, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. I thought we were supposed to do a transition there. there was, I pressed it, talking, and nothing happened. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Steve D was uh, talking earlier about uh, how he wants to add transitions to the to the podcast, and then first one's mm. just completely failed. But uh, sorry to interrupt the ad read. Um, go for it. Let's talk, uh, here's sure. the word from my sponsor. We used to be sponsored by Genuine Impact uh, before we started trying <laughs> to read ads like this. Uh, but more seriously, though, markets are choppy at the moment. Uh, so if you buy something, you might find that the price of it's a lot lower a week later. So in this kind of market, it's really important to know what you own, whether that's Tesla or Philip Morris or that South African cow that Paul bought that time. And that's where <laughs> Genuine Impact comes in. I often think about Genuine Impact as an app to help people start thinking about what they want to buy. But it's also a really good app to help people get to know and start thinking about what they already own, unless what they own is a cow. I've been looking this week at my new favorite thing, uh, which is the revenue breakdown chart that they have. So they have this for loads of companies, including some of the ones that I own. Uh, they don't have it for cows. But before I found this on Genuine Impact, I used to spend ages looking through company publications for things like how much of Disney's revenue comes from Europe. Uh, now I just flip open Genuine Impact's app and there's a nice little chart to tell me everything that I need to know. Uh, Genuine Impact has all kinds of info on all kinds of companies. It has no information on cows. So if, like Steve, you like Latin American growth companies, they have lots of info on Mercado Libre. If, like me, you like cheap things with strong balance sheets, they can tell you about Berkshire Hathaway. 
And if, like Paul, you want to invest in an absolute dog of a company, uh, they can give you all the details on AT&T. Uh, and this is updated <laughs> every day to save you the trouble of keeping your notes up to date. So genuine impact for people who want to buy stocks, not cows. <laughs> what a lovely little ad we got there. Um, yeah, I, I like the revenue breakdowns of genuine impact, actually. Those little bubbles that they do. We talk about them all the time. I think, I think that's a really... I, I don't see that anywhere else very often. Um, no, it's pretty unique. Yeah, so I, I, I do like that bit of genuine impact. Anyway, we'll get on. Uh, so who's got the game today and what are we playing? I have the game. Um, and it was wrote quite hastily and updated just before we came on. And it's uh, it's called Youch Today. Um <laughs> Basically, it works as most of my games do. You guys are going to give me a number between 1 and 10, a little bit of a choose-your-own-adventure, and um, I'll give you a stock, and all you have to do is tell me how uh, down it is in the last 365 days. So basically, pull up Google, you press the one year, and then go from <laughs> front, front to back. All of them, I will tell you as a hint, are down. Um, okay. So I've got Paul going first. So, Paul? Uh, lucky number seven, then. By the way, uh, y- you're asking me to guess how how much they're down over the last year. Is this in like percentage. a closest to? Is in percent. Closest yeah, I'll give or... you a point for 5% either way. Okay. Good stuff. Okay. All right. So, so yeah, lucky um, number seven, then. In a very interesting start, considering we were literally just talking about it uh, before we came on, and I think you even had the chat, Paul. Tell oh, great. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! I didn't look. <laughs> I know what price it is right now. Uh, Sixty-eight dollars. Uh, is that sixty-six percent? Oh, that is. Oh. Trust them to work now. Oh. That is incorrect. Uh, it's actually down seventy-five point four nine percent. So I would have. Uh, I would have accepted eighty point four nine or seventy point four nine. Oh, Steve. Luck, I thought that was I thought that was a pretty good effort actually. Okay, uh, number two, please. Number two is uh, a favourite of mine. Um, it's um, ticker is FTCH. It's uh, luxury retailer Farfetch. Cool. Uh, I didn't even know what the ticker for FTCH was. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit of a guess. I'm pretty certain that's the ticker. <laughs> yeah, I do think Farfetch is down quite a bit, though. I seem to vaguely remember hearing on Motley Fool it was down quite a lot quite a while ago, and I don't think it's gone anywhere positive since then. So let's try it. It's down 60. Oh, I've, said, I've started with 60. I'm not sure I meant to do that. Let's say it's down 78%. That's quite 78%. A lot, isn't it? Just out of interest, what would you have gone for with the 61? Um, I'm not sure where I was going. I think I was going for 65, but I'm not entirely sure there's a fact about where I was heading there. You should have gone with 65. It's down 68.22%. Incorrect. <laughs> By the way, are these all going to be your stocks just out of interest? Um, bits and bobs. <laughs> all right. Uh, number one? Number one is another of my stocks. We talked about before we came on the air. It is GoodRx. GoodRx. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't actually look at the the uh, price decline on this one, but I, it, it's not it's not as bad as the rest, is it? Fifty-seven. That's for you to determine. Fifty-seven percent. That is incredible guess it is actually <laughs> down 57.72 percent oh, <laughs> man a bonus point for that you're not getting bonus <laughs> points because i want to play the <laughs> i want to play the tiebreaker oh uh, Steve? fair enough yeah i'm not gonna get two of them uh nine please nine uh is another one of my stocks and <laughs> polls i think as well um <laughs> it is uh tmdx transmedics oh, yeah, oh trans- my life um transmedics okay lung transportation system i think or heart transportation mm-hmm. system or both maybe is down 45 percent <laughs> incorrect it's actually down 36.29 percent how much are you down on that, Steve, just by uh, roughly? I'm not sure, to be honest. I, I'll uh, have to check that for you. 
because I'm actually down. I, I, I think I checked it earlier because I bought today. I bought 10 more shares of it today. Um, and I think I'm down 48% on it. So I must have, I must yeah, have a little fallen peak, hard. It? Yeah, I it must have been falling. It went sort of 16 to 30 and then down, didn't it? So I, I was buying all the way up through the top. I bought it probably at these levels and I carried on buying it all the way through the top. And it, oh, what a mess. Hmm. I, I still fully believe in that company though, especially with the recent news. Um, if anybody does follow Transmedics, it's... Um, recently they put a pig heart into a guy and as far as i can tell he's still alive mm -hmm. but uh, and that was that was the the uh, that was the big news they've genetically modified a pig heart and put it into a bloke and he's still alive so we are living in the future people but the uh, fact yeah and they used uh, transmedics to keep it alive didn't they use the transmedics yeah. fusion system to keep it alive yeah so during the during the operation during the switch over they use transmedics uh because they're allowed to with the pig heart and they're not allowed to with the human heart which is uh sorry i'm just going into transmedics because i fucking love that company um uh, presumably I, I think... bringing it from the butchers to the hospital <laughs> it, it just it's it's just weird that if it was um a, a human heart transplant that heart would just be in your mum's uh, picnic cooler. And that's just, I just can't believe it that they, that they had the pig heart in the, in the full, full perfusion system and the uh, human heart was in the ice cooler uh, because that's what we use these days. And that's the whole business model behind Transmedic. Anyway, uh, next up, number two, I think it was. No. No, we've had that. No. Number three. Number three is another one of my stocks. <laughs> uh, it is Unity. Oh, Unity! Ah, oh, great company, Unity, aren't it? Um, you want to do a bit of Unity? Uh, uh, mobile phone gaming is the main thing there, but are they a bit more than that? Yeah, well, they just oh, I just bought Weta Systems, which is uh, Peter Jackson's uh, VR sort of AR um, character design company. They've also just bought another company whose name escapes me, and they do realistic um, no-code or low-code facial expressions and facial um, uh, yeah, facial expressions and talking, essentially. They've got mm. a really, really good little simulator. They announced it by using the software, and it looks incredible. Um, oh, so, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, leaders in mobile phone gaming and app technology, basically, Unity. For some reason, um, well, it's not for some reason. Uh, are they profitable? Uh, no. No, so that's the reason why they've come down. Um, I think they came down pretty hard. They had a big push this year, didn't they? But they've come, come down pretty hard from that. So the push-up may have only put them down 32%. Oh. <laughs> only just out they've actually down 38.91 oh. percent um they had a really big run-up and then yeah. fell from the run-up so they, they yeah. look worse than they have but they probably went an awful lot uh you know an awful lot of distance away between the two but anyway next steve I did not realise Unity was down this uh, on a year-to-year -year basis. I associate that with people doing quite well on the brisk in that, and I thought it was probably David Gardner's best chance to beat you and me, uh, to be honest, with the way some of his other stuff is going. I'm hmm. feeling like I'm going to win this by having a utility. Uh, but... <laughs> um, Oh, also, I was interested in the Transmedics thing, but not because of Transmedics. Um, I was interested in how many bits of a human you can change for pig bits until it turns into a pig. If anyone has any answers to that, <laughs> stick them in the comments below. Um, anyway, number six, please. Uh, number six is not one of my stocks. Uh, it is uh, Insurer Lemonade. Ah, okay. It used to be one of your stocks. Um... <laughs> but it was a kebab kind of player, but... Yeah. yeah, what happened? Did you run out of stocks that were down or something? Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, no, I've not run out of stocks that are down. No, no, no. We could have played uh, this up to uh, 65 stocks if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, lemonade is... Hmm. Oh, we could have played this up to 65 stocks, he says. That's close to the number I was going to go for for lemonade, actually. Uh, I'm going to stay with where I was before you said anything. I'm going to say 63, which is where I was actually looking at. Oh, too low. <laughs> oh, uh, too low. Uh, the worst performer out of the bunch. Do you want to have a guess, Paul? 
Uh, now six. I was. I would have said sixty-five, but eighty odd. Is it really eighty odd? More. It's actually minus wow. eighty-two point four one percent year to date. Jesus. Poor, poor Nasmol. Yeah, Nasmol. Um, Nasmol. I talked to him. I have great. I used to have great conversations with him on the channel. Um, on the in the comments on my channel. Um, great lad. Uh, he's just got caught, hasn't he? He's, he's been posting it on the Reddit. And we've yeah, all I think seen... he's got 140k in it at the moment, but it's not. Yeah. It's not worth that. Not worth that now. Um, Top lad for yeah. posting it all, posting it all up, you know, and being being very transparent and stuff. But yeah, he put a lot into lemonade. He put a lot into lemonade. Okay, next one. Is it me? Um, six. Nope. Just had six. <laughs> <laughs> next one is five. Listening. In case you haven't noticed, I haven't been listening to that bit. Uh, Number five, yeah. (laughs) Number five is uh, solar panel, I think probably manufacturer, first solar. I haven't seen this at all, but we do know that INRG is probably 40-odd percent down at the moment. Uh, I'm going to go around that as well. I'm going to say 48%. That's quite a lot. Actually, um, Festol was actually one of the better performing um, of the sort of green energy ones. It's only down 29%. Yeah, um, only. But it has held up a lot better, <laughs> probably because it wasn't as overvalued as the other stocks. It's actually mm. uh, a, a profit-making company that trades at the P mm. in the 20s. So, Okay, Steve? 10, please. 10 is uh, a stock that I have recently picked up. Um, it's Avalara. It's a tax uh, SaaS software company. What? Never heard of it. Very, tax, it's a very tax, tax SaaS uh, company. Software company. Yeah, in the U- U- US and UK as well. Okay. He's bought, uh, a, mm. he's bought an expensive QuickBooks. I've bought it looks into like he's it bought, too. Uh, sort of more modern HR block then, or something like that. Uh, hmm. Um. <laughs> Uh, I don't know why I'm trying to work this out. Fifty-five uh, percent. Yeah. <laughs> what am I thinking? I'm going to work out here. It's incorrect. It's actually thirty-three and a half percent down. Is that it's it? A very interesting company, and it's now uh, it got a bit exuberant in the run-up, as did everything else, and it's now uh, a much better price, I would say. Paul, you get this one, you win. This is finishing one nil. Ten. I don't know what the number is. I don't know what the number is. Four, four or eight? Eight, please. Eight is uh, an old favourite of mine. Uh, I think we all know it. I don't know if anybody is holding it. Um, it's Fiverr. Hopefully oh, not poor Fiverr. It was. Poor Fiverr. Um, I don't know. I, I just know that stock is going to be down because it was Pushed by the fucking YouTubers, weren't it? Um, uh, no, it's not going to be that far, though, is it? It's going to be like 40%-ish. So 38%. You are incorrect. It is actually down 66.56%. And that's not Jesus from the peak. Christ. It was uh, $320 at its peak, and it's now trading about $60. Oh, so, uh, it's gone quite a way. About eighty percent off in total, then. Eighty uh, percent off from the peak down. Yeah, it's a it's a big fall. Yeah. Don't um, listen, don't listen to YouTubers and FinTwit guys. Just stay away from them. Just stay away. Go for ideas, but come on, come come up with your own. Do please subscribe. Valuations. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Three three hundred more of you would be grand. Come on, guys. Um, please don't leave. <laughs> this goes backwards, uh, Paul. Last <laughs> company, Steve. Is Motley Fool favourite yep. Axon Enterprise? Hmm. Okay, that feels like it's. I would be surprised if it's down that much. Yeah. Um This is the other one that David Gardner might beat us with, in fairness. Um, other than the Unity software thing, which I think was on his vibe. Um I don't reckon this is down that much. Let's try twenty-seven percent. We are going to the tiebreaker. Oh, we're not, are we? 
24.73%. He pulls out the bag <laughs> with the last one. Um, yeah, so uh, I like that we've now uh, sort of like looking at 25% down and say, it's not too much. Um, <laughs> just lost a quarter of its value. That's not very much. Um, but Mad, isn't it? The tiebreaker. So, guys, um, it yep. is Amazon in the last 365 days. I need a number from you both. Okay. Whoa. Uh, uh, do you want us to write them down, or do you want us to... You can shout them out if you want to shout them out. All right, right. If, you've got, if you've got a pen... Oh, no, I've, I've got, got a pen, pen and paper, yeah. Go on, then. Um, I don't know. I must admit, I'm, I, I don't know. He's stalling, so, Steve. Um... Don't show him. Okay, hold on. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting. No, no, I've done it. I've done it. Ready? Yep. Oh, can you see that? I bet you can't even see it. Uh, I can see 22 from Steve. What does yours say? Yep. Mine says 13. But well, well done, very... Paul. It is down 13.31. I don't know why I give you a ding. Oh, wow. 13.31%. <laughs> so, Paul, well done. You are the winner. That was Yelch hey. today. We'll never play it again. <laughs> that wasn't so bad. It was all right. Well... We need a we need a bad year. A we need another bad year. We need another bad year. Or just look at Steve D's portfolio uh, next week. And we'll, mm. we'll, we'll get sixty more mm. out of it. You'll play uh, how, how much further down is Steve D's portfolio from last week? <laughs> mm. All right. So this week has been full of peaks and troughs, and it's a bit. Uh, I, I was just watching Janet Yellen before I came came on. Um, he, <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's a lot to do with inflation going on. Uh, and I don't think we want to get into that because I think we've done too much inflation. Well, I just wanted to acknowledge that, yes, there's a little bit about inflation that's going on at the moment. And I think it's a bag of shit. But earnings week has definitely pushed a lot of stocks in all sorts of weird directions. What stock do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about Tesla, but can I first of all acknowledge that I thought you sounded very much like Jerome Powell then, uh, saying, <laughs> I was just listening to Janet Yellen, I don't want to talk about inflation, we've done too much inflation, I think it's all a bag of <laughs> shit, let's talk about something else. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, he said he was watching Janet Yellen, I thought he'd hacked a webcam or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't actually ever listened to her talk, and it, her, her accent really threw me, I couldn't quite pin down where she's from or uh what what way she's inclined but she just she's just at the top there with all the uh press sitting there and she just looks like an owl at the top just like staring at each one a bit like that uh thing from squid game where where it was uh <laughs> pointing at each one that's <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. I just thought it was really weird. Um, but yeah, uh, let's talk about Tesla. Let's talk about Tesla. Fair enough. Here's Tesla's earnings then. Um, the numbers are pretty good <laughs> uh, from what I could see. But anyway, they pulled in 17.72 uh, billion in revenue over 16.57 forecast. So a, a nice beat and 65% growth year over year. Um, 15.97 of their 17.72 came from their automotive division for what it's worth. So they're still... Um, fairly heavily kind of car dominated for what that's worth, although there's bits and pieces there from other sources as well. EPS was another beat that was 252 over 236. Um, so, so things seem to go quite nicely. They delivered a lot of cars in the last quarter, um, and I think they sort of spoiled ahead a little bit that they'd done a pretty good job on um, deliveries. I think they delivered more than they produced because they had some over from uh, the previous lot. The main kind of reason that stock is down today, though, and it seems to be down with the semiconductor companies and not an awful lot else from what I can see looking at the market, at least earlier on, it set out out the gate coming down while on what was looking like a, a greenish day to start with, um, is that they, uh, Elon talked a lot about supply chain problems. He talked about them being chip limited, about them being part limited. Uh, and the upshot of that is there are no new models coming in 2022, or so he tells us, at least that's the kind of current plan, which means delays to their semi and their Cybertruck, um, which I think is the source of the worry here a little bit. Um, there's also some stuff about him attempting to build a robot, which we'll come back to in a minute. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think this is bad because, you know, the US, which is, I think, Tesla's kind of main market for the moment, the top, selling, top three selling cars last year were all trucks. 
basically. Uh, it's a Ford F-150, it's a Chevy, and there's a Ram, uh, and I can't remember, those last two tend to sort of swap positions in terms of top-selling things, but trucks are going to be important, and EVs will catch fire in the US when they kind of, uh, not literally catch fire, uh, will kind of catch I was going to say, is that concept. a pun? <laughs> um, no, I didn't mean that. Uh, will catch on as a concept when they someone lands an EV uh, um, truck here, and the Ford F-150 Lightning is coming. Um, the GM Silverado is coming in 2023 and Stellantis have an EV coming out via Ram in 2024. Uh, Tesla is kind of been exciting so far because it's been ahead of these things quite a lot. Uh, mm. But it looks like it's going to be after Ford in the truck race. And now we're into 2023, so it's kind of between them and GM. GM's stock uh, pushed up when they started talking about the electric Silverado, pushed down when they found out that they were going to be giving Ford a year's head start. Um, so I wonder whether there's something similar going on here with Tesla, and that's kind of the the reason this stock hasn't reacted too well to what appeared to be a perfectly good-looking uh, earnings set of results. Yeah, it's record beats, isn't it? It's it's exactly what you'd expect. Uh, there wasn't any surprises there. And I thought the Cybertruck was delayed, but uh, obviously I've read that ahead of ahead of time but the thing with tesla right now is how long and this might upset a couple of tesla investors maybe but how long until we start getting fed up with these outrageous predictions because elon says usually says oh it's going to be next year he says it with everything that the the new battery is going to be next year Cybertruck's coming next year model uh they're not he he wrote i'm sure he said in his uh one of his interviews that the the twenty five thousand dollar car isn't even they're not even looking at it at the moment and that and that for me was one of their big big selling points that they're going to deliver in 2023 2024 a twenty five thousand dollar car which is going to be out there and it's going to be non-luxury and everyone's going to start buying it that that's what i thought their big play was and of course full self-driving i think and i think uh, I'm going to get the date wrong here, but I think it was announced in 2015. And Elon said, oh, it's two years away. It's two years away. And it's been one year away ever since that. And we're still not there. We're, we're nowhere near it, in fact. Uh, and this is like the this is the uh, uh, negative side of Tesla and Elon Musk right now. I, I overwhelmingly have a positive view on Tesla, but I do want to... I do want to point out some of the shortcomings that are happening with Tesla right now. And I do wonder if the predictions of the bears are slowly starting to come true. That's not to mention, though, the positives that are coming, which I'm sure you might touch on in a sec. Well, I just picked out a couple of stats from when he was talking. Basically, he said that he that they're sort of seeing 50% growth as something that's fairly um, achievable for them moving forward, which you could probably see at least in the short term. There's a few factors to come online and expansions as well. So um, providing they can sell the cars, which at the moment it doesn't seem that they're having any issues selling stuff, um, I think 50% growth is probably doable. Um, the bit that sort of I think has worried the market the most is that Musk seems like somebody who has a pretty short attention span as it is and for him to now be saying that he thinks robots are more important than cars it sort of makes you think that perhaps he's probably come to sort of the bit where we've done cars now um it's time for robots mm -hmm. and that sort of would worry me a little bit as a as a tesla investor i wonder if robots would come under the tesla brand i don't see why they would um he tends to brand something some in, in into something different doesn't he i'll spin it off uh, into something it, different no he's so. called it he's called it the tesla bot like that's Has the it? brand of it yeah it's the tesla bot um so the thing about full self-driving is very important um i think in urban areas it's probably uh somewhere near ready in rural areas it's it's absolutely useless um so that would be interesting to see how they develop that from that point onwards they just released another ui update for the um mm. the tesla just as a, as a side note and it's um it allows you to customize the dashboard so you can put the icons on the bottom of the dashboard in the order that you you would like them to be and that sounds so simple but the name another car manufacturer that's that's 
doing that. That's allowing 100%. you to customize it. So even, you know, because you've got Spotify tied into the Tesla, you could have Spotify on the bottom barrier. So it's just one button away from launching into Spotify, which is which is pretty cool, really. And, uh, you know, of all the things that they've done, that's it seems quite simple. So in terms of car software, the streets ahead, batteries, I think battery and battery technology is the real reason we're not seeing the Cybertruck. They're saying they're in supply chain hell. I just don't think the battery density that they require to uh, make a Cybertruck do 500 miles, it just doesn't exist. Uh, not mm. the kind of weight of that thing, the size of that thing, and the sort of tasks that that the Cybertruck's going to end up doing. I don't believe those batteries exist yet, and, and that's the reason it's being put back. Um, he thinks it's Ooh. at least another a year to two years away. I would be surprised if we see it in that point. And, and it's not to say that Ford won't release something that's absolutely crap. Every, every EV that I've been in outside of Tesla has been nowhere near the quality of Tesla. But as we will say to you time and time again, um, a great product doesn't always necessarily mean a great investment. Tesla at 300 is a lot different to Tesla at 900. So it's interesting from here on outwards. Interesting number, Steve. I mean, I was interested in who Paul thought of as a kind of Tesla bears. The name that sort of comes to mind is Ryan Brinkman, who is JP Morgan's Tesla analyst. Um, he shoved his price target up uh, after the earnings, I think, to 295. Um, which is um, <laughs> quite a long way from where, from where they currently are. Uh, they're currently at about 867 when I looked earlier today, so a long way to fall. And that makes him sound like a Tesla bear, but, I mean, he points out, and I think this is fair, that he's not negative on the company particularly. I mean, 295 a share for Tesla implies a market cap of $391 billion, which is roughly equivalent to Ford plus GM plus Stellantis plus Honda plus Ferrari. Um, and so if you're aiming there, you're not thinking this is a company that can't do anything and is set up for failure and so on. That would be a success, building a thing that looks a lot like a car company that's the size of all those car companies with the market share to back it up and so on. Um, it's just that he happens to think that the rest of it's kind of too far off to be sensibly predictable, I guess. Um, and for the moment, uh, trying to put a price target slash valuation, I guess you might call it, around $391 billion is is a lot lower than it currently is, but it's not kind of crazy, is it? Uh, I No, I don't think it is. And let's remember, it's not just a car company, it's now a humanoid robot company as well. That is true. Um, and, and it's become less of a car company because it's now delaying the release of its new cars. But that's not to say Giga Berlin and Giga Texas and all that that's coming online is going to vastly improve their deliveries and, and like you, say, like you say, talk about their scale. Um, I do worry about margin. I, I seem to remember they're saying it's like a 15% net margin that they, they're aiming for, which is nowhere near what a normal car manufacturer gets they they're at much lower sort of like three four percent aren't they something like that and um so i do worry that in the future if tesla is no longer a luxury model and the other companies catch up whether they can really keep that high margin uh they, they suggest they do it because they don't advertise and things like that as well so there's there's, there's a lot to it um so i do worry about that uh, and maybe some investors, not all investors, are starting to see that some of the promises that have been made aren't quite true, and that's why we've seen ten percent sort of fall off the fall off the top of the, or, or at least there's more uncertainty today because that's what it seemed like. I expected these earnings to just blow out the water and everything was going to be hunky-dory. We we're going to see Tesla at 1,600 before the end of the year. Now, oh, we're, we're not so good. You think Tesla's, you think Elon's going to leave and just start some, some other company or start looking at space or, or whatever? Depends if they can keep him interested with the tasks that they've got at the moment, doesn't it? I think he's very sort of, he seems very sort of task focused or at least goal focused. So very, very interested to see uh, how the humanoid robot is and um, when we can start retiring and sending, uh, sending the robot to work for us. Do you think there's, do you think there's a team of people at Tesla that are just trying to keep Elon's interest at the moment? He's just starting to listfully like look at something else and just go oh humanoid robots look fun 
maybe I should go do that. Screw the cars and I'll leave someone else. You know, because PayPal, same thing happened, you know, who's very dedicated to changing the world of uh, payments. And he largely did that and then went, oh, you know what, I'm going to go make a space company. <laughs> that's just kind of how he did it. Uh, and that's what he does. Yeah, I would be surprised if Elon disappears off from uh, Tesla, and I'd be surprised if he has a bunch of minders that are kind of there to keep him on things. I think that uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm in danger of making collections of terrible puns on accident here, but I can't think of a better way to phrase this. I think the road for Tesla is going to be uh, bumpy and tricky and not straightforward, right? It's not going to be a nice straightforward, well, we get ahead, we stay ahead, we drive all the competition out, and nothing bad ever happens for us. You know, we get supply chain disruption like everyone else does. Um, turns out sometimes that means things will get slowed down. Uh, okay, we kind of talk in fairly ambitious terms, and sometimes that will come back to kind of bite us. But you take the ups with the downs, and Tesla, are, you know, they're playing to win, which means that uh, small things might throw them off in a disproportionate way. But I think this is, I think this is fairly small news for Tesla. I think I would say I think that stock reaction is an overreaction to disruption of one year. Well, that's kind of hard because I thought the stock was too high anyway. Uh, so I sort of think, yeah, why shouldn't it come down 8% from there? I mean, do I think it should come down sort of 8% just because they said they're going to be a year later with a truck? No. Uh, but it sort of depends where it's coming from and where it's going to. Um, coming down from that high, I sort of think, well, anything could bring it down a bit from there. It's still done remarkably well over the last however many years it is, both at the business level and at the stock level. I suppose that the... the end of the day that shows like a, some fragility in the share price perhaps that perhaps it is yep. it is maybe looking to to come back down um we but can. it's been a very strong share for um two or three years so um mm -hmm. maybe people have thought that they've perhaps seen the top a couple of the biggest uh you know the biggest pr balls for tesla if you if you want to look on youtube people selling all of their stake in Tesla, like these big bulls that have been talking about it all the time. And I noticed another one today, I put it on the Discord, but uh, we I need to look at that in more detail. But it looked like there was one of the biggest Tesla bulls that I've ever seen. I won't mention any names, but he's selling puts at 207. So if anyone needs uh, just needs that, just clarifying, selling puts is putting up a lot of capital to give make give someone else the opportunity to make you buy uh, 100 shares at a certain price that you state and um basically they can buy the put option on you so uh they they pay you a small fee up until the point when it does hit that target and then i've done this really badly and explained this really poorly haven't i but basically uh, he believes that it could go down to 207 or he at least believes that someone is willing to pay him a small fee until the price goes down to 207. So either way, oh, Jesus, that's a that big, That could just big be drop. free money, though, if you think Yeah, yeah, of course. It's not just, if of you think it's going to expire, that's just free mm -hmm. money, isn't it? Yeah, he's got, um, uh, there was a 2023, January 2023 expiry date on it. Uh, and I think the... I think the uh, premium was quite high. I think it was maybe like 4%, something like that. And um, yeah, it, very, very interesting uh, way to make money selling puts if you want to buy a, comp uh, a share at a certain price. But I would have thought they'd put the share price at more like 600 maybe even 800 um, because when you're selling puts, you kind of want to buy the stock. You, you're sort of saying, mm -hmm. I want to buy the stock at this certain price. Um yeah, very, very interesting battle between the bears and the bulls on Tesla right now. Uh, next up, where it's uh, another stock that's been uh, battling the bears and the bulls, I think, uh, Netflix. Wow. You guys yeah, both so, own Netflix now? Uh, just me, I think. Correct. Okay. Yeah, so I bought it prior to the earnings, but I only had a very small position. I've, um, I've significantly increased the size of that position now. Um, Netflix's earnings look pretty rosy to me. Uh, I didn't really see any issues with them. I'll just quickly run down the major figures. EPS came in at 133 versus $0.82 cents expected by London Stock Exchange-owned Refinitiv. Um, 
Revenue, 7.71 billion, which was bang on what was expected by Refinitiv, and um, 8.28 million subscriber editions versus 8.19 million um, expected um, subscriber editions. So pretty good, really. Um, they're the sort of three things that you really want to look at with Netflix uh, in general, just to see how it's growing. They're all coming in exactly, um, exactly where we thought they would get. However, the guidance was a little bit strange so they're expecting to add two and a half million subscribers during the first quarter of 2022 um the expectation from wall street uh, wall street that was that it would be 3.98 million so just looking back through the previous q1s because that's the one we're going into um we had 4 million last year we had uh, 15.8 million at the height of uh, covid and uh, 9.6 million before that so it is considerably less but if you look at the net subscriber editions, they are sort of trending lower. Um, but they still have decent periods here and there around Christmas. And um, they look okay to me. Uh, I don't think there's anything particularly um, particularly jumping out at me. So I listened to the earnings call as well. And the vast majority of it was Netflix complaining that they've uh, put an awful lot of money into India and it really doesn't seem to be paying off at the moment. They think they've spent um, about $400 million on, on content, including some blockbusters, all the Bollywood um, stars. Uh, they've even dropped the price to what is the equivalent of $2 a month. And uh, they're still struggling to get... Um, ground against Disney and um, Amazon, which is Disney Hotstar, it's called over there. And the reason I think that's happened uh, when I was looking at the uh, stats is that Amazon, um, obviously you get the tie-ins with Amazon Prime, which is very important. Um, but Disney and Amazon have done a really, really good job at localizing their content. So it's all available in um, 12 or I think it's either 12 or 15 regional languages. Um, it's a lot, a lot more tailored. And also Disney Plus Hotstar have got all the um, Indian Premier League cricket as well, which is obviously, I think it's the national sport over there. Um, mm -hmm perhaps so that was um mm -hmm. that's obviously been really really important to drive subscribers so once you've got disney plus and you've got amazon um the even two dollar netflix doesn't look particularly um particularly exciting the other sort of problem i saw with it was uh that it's because disney and amazon have localized it um netflix feels very much like an american imposter over there so there's work to be done um, they're very much trying to get the frog in the frying pan and turn up the heat. I use that analogy talking to Steve about it the other day. Uh, $2, uh, if they can localize it, will attract quite a few frogs in. They can obviously start turning up the heat then. Um, and that should be where the growth comes from now. They're almost in a very similar sort of style to pins where I think that perhaps subscribers will be slowing now and it will be about churning money out of the people you've already got. Um, other thing I noticed, um, Bill Ackman's just bought a really large stake of it. I think it was around about $1.1 billion. Uh, he came out with a quote that said, many of our best investments have emerged when other investors whose time horizons are short, because he's a little bitch and he can't put stuff in like, like that, um, <laughs> discard great companies at prices that look extraordinarily attractive when one has a long-term horizon. Any thoughts to add to that? Uh, I can. Uh, I, I I saw Bill Ackman. I don't like Bill Ackman, by the way, but I saw this and I immediately went, okay, why is he buying this? And I looked and it's a simple di discounted cash flow situation. This is, uh, this stock has fallen so much, uh, compared to the amount of cash it could produce. It's expected to be uh, cash flow positive in the next, um, year or so. Uh, it's, uh, it's very simple. This is a particularly under undervalued stock. If you if you think that the growth is still going to be there in the next 10, 15 years, uh, I, I actually calculated five years and I worked out it, it could still contract in PE and it would still um, be uh, only 10 percent year on year. So I was looking at that and I was thinking, wow, this is uh, th this is why Bill Atman's bought it. He, it's just a simple um valuation he's he's found a cheap comp a great company at a cheap price he thinks that's interesting i was thinking about netflix and when i think about netflix i sort of think about it as one of the, one of the fangs i guess and it's it's slowing subscriber growth is now getting it priced like some of the other fangs i guess it's a similar sort of multiple to apple or google or microsoft or 
uh, Facebook Now Messi, you get the idea. Um, and that all sort of made sense to me, so I can sort of see why that might be happening. I don't have much of a view on how fast they can grow their subscribers or or how high they can turn up that heat in the kind of uh, metaphor that Steve was talking about without subscribers thinking, uh, you know what, Disney is now a lot cheaper. Uh, mm. I'm going over that way. I prefer to be with Netflix, but at this price, I'm starting to think I have options available. The thing I don't much see about Netflix is... With all the other fangs that uh, are doing really well, so uh, Google and even Meta and sort of uh, Apple and so on, they all have a kind of big um, money-making engine thing that doesn't really cost very much to run. So it's Amazon Web Services, it's the App Store, it's Google Search, it's Facebook's Instagram platform and so on. I'm not quite sure what I think that is for Netflix. It strikes me as a company that has quite a lot of operational leverage, by which I mean it doesn't cost them anything much more to get this out to a 1,000 people as it does to a 100 or something like that. Once you've made the program, uh, plug as many people in as you like, and once you've broken even, it's just all kind of uh, pure profit from there. It doesn't cost you anything else, pretty much, to get it into more homes. But what I'm not quite sure is this feels to me like it's kind of cash-heavy or cash-hungry in a certain way. I feel like they have to keep going out and getting content or making content, and I think we've talked about before on the show this kind of uncertainty as to exactly what content they're supposed to be getting or making. It doesn't come with a kind of big sign, because if it does, it's a Disney thing, basically. Uh, if there's an obvious thing that marks up something that will sell, it's chances are it's branded with one of their competitors. So I struggle to see a little bit how Netflix gets to be like yeah. a fang and have that big kind of cash engine that really gets them going in a certain way. And that's kind of what slows me down from uh, investing. I'm glad you brought bit. that up, because I've always thought of... Netflix as the ugly duckling of the fang. I don't know why it's in there because it, it, again, it doesn't. It's the only one that's not free cash flow positive. Uh, with uh, when you were talking about content, um, I can only really talk about it from a HBO perspective. Although I think Steve D is talking, is probably chomping at a bit of this bit. But uh, HBO Max, from what I saw, I, I can't go. In, I can't go an episode without talking about AT and T. It seems, but uh, HBO Max. It uh, stated quite heavily that content is getting more and more expensive to build. And uh, that's down to wages that they're paying actors, to the grips being more expensive to hire. Uh, obviously, Netflix, that's going to be pushing on Netflix as well. Steve, what you got to say? Uh, nothing really other than um, Netflix is trying to build that giant flywheel and finding that it takes more and more money to um, to do, which is what all the other sort of members of FANG have, um, is that their flywheel seems to take less and less money per person when, when you join. But um, I just think at the moment you're looking at a business that is um, still in, in the sort of formative years of its worldwide growth. I think it's very saturated sort of in the West. And I think people are forgetting just how quickly um, places like China, places like India, places like Brazil, even places like Brazil um, are growing their middle class and the middle class uh, needs entertaining. Um, the issue I think Netflix has got is that we have an almost insatiable appetite for their content. So they almost always have to have something incredibly engaging or incredible with a huge network effect that everybody's talking about to get people um, to watch it. But they've, they've since proven that even things like Squid Game have not been enough to move the needle. Um, but I'm just going to say before we just before we move on, um, Q4 of 2017, uh, they only added six and a half million subscribers. So what you could be looking at is um, just a little bit of COVID hangover. In the midst of COVID, they added 15.8 million subscribers. It was it was double what what they what they'd done in the last five or six years that's a hell of a lot of growth brought forward we knew that some companies were going to have growth brought forward when growth's brought forward uh, especially if a company that's quite mature like netflix is uh, especially in the west um you know you uh, you you run the risk of um having a little slowdown afterwards and i think that's all we're seeing and that's the gamble that you've got slower growth in the west going to raise the prices faster growth everywhere else with lower prices eventually the lower prices become higher prices and you start to see some cash flow into the bottom line i know we were going to uh, move on to the next part of this but i have been looking and i'm sure you guys have been looking so this is going to be a quick take on 
what's just come out now. And I've got two companies on the top of CNBC right now. Apple uh, as of today. So we're, we're going to do this. Some information might come out over the next few days that we haven't haven't understood yet but apple have just released their earnings and also robin hood is a big story as well at the top of this right now um so which one which one do you want to start with apple or robin hood have you not i haven't oh, seen lovely. either of these okay. so can we start so, with that? Uh, apple eps two dollars no. uh, ten cents versus uh 189 up 25% uh revenue just kicked ass one two three billion versus 118 billion up 11 percent and it looks like the share price is going up after hours uh 11 percent as well on the news uh cited some supply chain concerns but i don't think see we we talk about apple and we talk about supply chains apple is one of the few companies in the world that has its supply chain nailed nobody can really touch their whole vertical integration and then everything that uh, they seem to just have priority on everything uh, and it's a big big reason why we've been talking about peloton and thing is uh, why people have been talking about them buying peloton because they could just um absolutely cure all of Peloton's supply chain issues that are going on right now but uh yeah Increasing sales of iPhones by 9%. Apple is just crazy. Why don't I own it? The quite interesting one is the iPad revenue down 14% year on year. Uh, that's quite an mm. interesting stat. You would think being around Christmas, that's probably the time the most iPads get bought. But gross margin up as well, 43.8 versus 41.7. They're basically saying the same thing that everybody's saying um legacy node chip supply is still really poor and they're doing all right on the leading edge stuff probably because it's uh, i think they design it themselves don't they for the leading edge yeah. stuff so yeah um so yeah it looks really good robin hood on the other hand um jesus <laughs> christ um for a company to miss revenue by 340 million when you only do a couple hundred million uh sorry the missed revenue by 100 million when you only do 340 million is uh is pretty crazy. I think Robin Hood came public too soon and has probably been mortally wounded by the uh, the AMC and J uh, GME stocks. I think I think you'll struggle to see that um, recover from this. It's down fifteen percent after hours. Um, okay. Yeah, the biggest thing good. for me that I've because I've just been reading this this article so. We talk about Netflix and it's slowing growth, and that's why it lost 10% in one day. This from Robin Hood is not slowing growth. This is net cumulative loss. So uh, their net accumulative accounts went from 22.5 million to 22.4 million. That isn't... Um, that's not slowing growth. That's negative growth. That's uh, them. People are closing their accounts on Robinhood. That is not a good sign. Um, you would expect you'd expect these days that accounts would be slowing in growth. Maybe uh, on on this company. Very interesting side side of the times for me. Like initial reaction. Like we've only just sort of read this now. Um, Initial reaction, though, is that, oh, the market is getting a little bit scared of uh, inflation right now. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like it. It's interesting. You said people closing their accounts on Robinhood was not a good sign. Um, I, I completely take the point, and I know what you yeah. meant. It's not a good thing for Robinhood. I hate this company. <laughs> I think it's a good thing for the world if there are fewer accounts on Robinhood, if I'm honest with you. I really should care more, I think, than I struggle. I really struggle to get worked up too much over Instagram uh, and their kind of scandal stories, and I know that should move me, and I know I should be outraged at the way Instagram handles people's data and attempts to wind them up and so on. I sort of feel more aggrieved at the fact that Robinhood is pretty much intentionally attempting mm. to part people from their money, from what I can tell of it. I mean, they are massively incentivized by volume and frequency, which is not a good way to be operating. Even traders, professional traders, don't think that's a good way to be operating. Robinhood are incentivized to make its users click that button as many times as they can, um, as often as they can and in as uh, high a uh, amount as they um, can in terms of uh, size of transactions and so on. So I kind of, I have, I struggle here. <laughs> I have little to no sympathy uh, with Robin Hood. Maybe once they kind of got into the idea of getting market access to so, people. 
um, because, you know, fee-paying brokerages and so on and so forth, but it looks to me a bit more like a cynical kind of rip-off of people, and I don't really yeah, care that's if fair. people are that's leaving very their platform. Fair. The only thing is, is are they just leaving the platform, or are they leaving the market altogether, which is another uh, it worrying would sign suggest the that they are leaving altogether, because if you look at monthly active users, they've posted that as well, 18.9 million last quarter has fallen to 17.3 million. So that would indicate that 1.6 million people aren't logging into their Robinhood apps uh, over this quarter. The other thing that's worth noting <laughs> is um, next next comps are incredibly tough for Robinhood because that was when AMC and GME kicked off. And then the second quarter is when crypto had its huge run-up and Robinhood introduced crypto and took the vast majority of its revenue from it. So there's more trouble to come at Robinhood. I would not want to hold this share. Yeah, well, I, I would not want to be in Robinhood right now. I wouldn't have wanted it from the start, but oh my god, this is this this is worse than than you could have expected. I thought they'd at least be growing accounts. Oh my god, that's that's terrible. Anyway, um, was there anything else you wanted to do, or do you want to leave it there this episode? We're about to cross the hour mark. That's about the time that people uh, <laughs> tend to think that's enough of listening to us, right? Oh, no, sorry, that was the minute. Uh, mark. Yes, thought, okay, then we'll leave that there. Um, that's our reflection on this week's earnings report and a very quick uh, thing at the end uh, to look at uh, Apple and Robinhood right there. There's going to be new information that comes out before Sunday, I'm sure, that's going to make it far worse for Robinhood. Um, thank you very much for watching, guys, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>